Hello, this is Billy Moon. Thanks for tuning to my podcast. The main purpose of starting this series is to pick the brains of other talented, interesting people, what their dream goals are, their fears, their successes, and their failures. I also love connecting good people to other gatekeepers to achieve their dreams. So bear with my interview skills, if any, and dive into the stills of life. Here we go. Carly Wallace. That's such a great name. Thanks. Is that your real name? That's my real name. I mean, it sounds like a brand by itself. So is this <laughs> like future planning for your, uh, you know, fashion empire? Yeah. Have a business now. It's Carly Wallace LLC. Just, you know, made it straight up with the name. Didn't didn't overcomplicate it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Like, when did that get created? And Just recently, really. I mean, it's been a journey. Obviously, I moved here from Canada, so... You know, it's been a little while just getting settled in the States and getting like the business set up and operating and all these things. And it's grown and progressed. So mm-hmm. a couple months ago, made it official. And a couple months. Yeah. Holy cow. Not, not Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Are you an American citizen? I'm not. No. Okay. So I, I made a lot of foreigners who come here and want to start their dreams. So, mm-hmm. but again, like we, we spoke briefly privately, like nobody teaches us this kind of behind the scenes work no it's so a lot. what are the logistics that go into like starting your own business here it's when you're tough from I Canada? mean I mean yeah so in Canada you know I was working there after I moved back from London um when I was about 23 and I was working in house for Lululemon in Vancouver Ooh. 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 and uh and then um <laughs> yeah I just kind of got you know set up and organized there and then left Lululemon to freelance and, you know, started that whole journey of, of the freelance life. And, uh-huh. uh, and it was awesome, but I kind of quickly realized that, you know, it's pretty limited in, in Canada, what's, what's available. So I felt like I was going to hit some kind of a ceiling. So I started, you know, coming over to LA and working over here a lot and, you know, just working in the States generally and quickly realized that, you know, there's a lot more opportunity. So it kind of made uh-huh. sense to shift gears and, come on over here and you know start the business here so so when you start your business here in the states like on paper what do you have to prepare well i had to get a visa first of all in order to work here so okay. tell, tell the young folks how to get a visa <laughs> oh god this is They're like, not the that, most a exciting card? story i mean it's I hard it's a hard work so like, mommy daddy i have why do i need another visa <laughs> Well, that was another journey. I got here and I had no credit history, so I couldn't even get oh, a credit card. Shoot. I know. <laughs> That's another hurdle. Oh my gosh. But, um, That's like someone waking up from a blackout. I know. Like, I have to start all over again. <laughs> it's like, I was in like my late okay. 20s and I couldn't get a credit card. But, um, yeah, but how, yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you get a visa? So a visa, you, uh, I have an O1 visa, so I've renewed it multiple times now. Um, and then I've got the green card now as well. But uh, the O1 visa is like an artist visa. So you basically have to provide your life's work, all the work you've ever done, um, mm. information on every client you've ever worked with. To uh, whom? To the government. How do you prove that? <laughs> it's it's difficult because like the reality is the person going through this paperwork has no idea, you know what we do for a living you know they're no they have no idea no so it's terrifying in that sense because you know you're you're showing this work to someone that might just be like this is all bullshit you know <laughs> wow she said a bad i said word. a bad word sorry but I, yeah i feel like as artists we're, we're still not taken seriously no i mean i still and i've had i've renewed this thing like three times and 
you know, you have to get all these letters signed. You have to get recommendation letters from people, you know, who know you or are respectable in the industry. Um, and then you have to get like work intent, which that's kind of the hardest part, which is the craziest part is like you have to get someone, you know, clients to sign these things saying that they're going to oh. hire you like three years from now. So like, oh, I'm going to do a Vogue cover, you know, in 2027. Oh, you, you, you can fake that. <laughs> So it's kind of insane because like, you know, as freelancers, like we none of us know what we're doing in three years. So, you know, it's a little a little bit of a crazy process. But, yeah. you know, you we're get either that. working or we're homeless. I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere in between. We're working at a grocery store, <laughs> which I've applied to during the strikes. <laughs> which grocery store? I think all of them. Uh, <laughs> like all all the Trader Joe's within like 20 miles. Mm-hmm. All the Whole Foods within Traders. 10 miles. Yeah. And I love going there anyway. So I might as well just like work there indefinitely. Might as well. I mean, maybe oh, get God. a discount. Now that I've said it out loud, it's so sad. <laughs> okay, so you you've successfully got the paperwork down. You created your LLC, mm-hmm. and why should others start their own business? Oh God! As opposed to yeah. just getting hired gig to gig gig to gig yeah i guess that's like a sole proprietor or whatever i'm by no means an expert on these things i'm just it was my you know last year was my my year to be a grown-up and you know figure some of this like business stuff out and you know figure out how to invest and do all these kinds of things so (laughs) that was last year's journey did people help you no no i mean I just sort of, I did like an online course of you're investing. Sp- oh, like, you did? Yeah, just like oh. a like a little seminar You're supposed thing. to say, I helped myself. I helped myself. Um. But, you know, just trying to adult in the best way possible and figure some of this stuff out. I feel like it's important. But, it's um, unpleasant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, then, I think that's, that's a common problem we all have. Like, no matter what age we are, adulting <laughs> sucks. It really does. Right, it does, and it's just you know you're like kind of like what do I do with this stuff? Yeah, and, you know taxes and stuff. We talked a little bit about that earlier about like business. That's you know. getting easier. I don't know how it is for you as a Canadian. Well, I mean, so Canadian taxes are like I don't want to say kind of a joke, but kind of a joke. Okay. <laughs> it's like they're not as nearly as scary or intense as like you oh. know American taxes. Oh, good. Like if you don't do your taxes in Canada, like they're not going to take your house. Like they're maybe eventually, but you know they're not going to come after you. <laughs> That's a dark tax Whereas, joke. Like, you know, here in the U.S., it's like a very serious thing. You know, you got to do your taxes, you got to do them on time, you got to do them right. You know, so it's been this yeah, like daunting thing trying to like make sure I'm on top many, of it. We have too many smart villains living in this country. Right? So, yeah. You know, so that was sort of the process, I guess, of like going down the road of doing the LLC, which is actually now an escort. But um, is your husband Canadian? No, my husband is actually British. So he grew up in London. So I met oh. him while I was living there. Yeah. So is he here as a on he's a visa? Not. It's a complicated one. He's not here. <laughs> he's not here. No. Oh no. So we he goes back and forth. I still have my house um, or my apartment in Vancouver or our apartment in Vancouver. So, so. What, you see him like what every six months? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a thing. So we're trying to like attach him onto my green card because he's not eligible to work here. He works in film, so he'll he'll what do great. He do? He's a camera operator. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get in that union. Yeah. We have the strictest, yeah. It's tough. I think we're the only country where it requires a union, and it's hard to get in. Yeah, definitely. But I he mean, can technically work globally, right, without a problem. Yeah, in lots of places, it's uh, fine. I mean, he's, yeah, so he's, basically, he's a Canadian citizen now, um, but he's British and French, so he's got three passports, and he's about to get an American green card, he so he's kind of killing it. <laughs> nice. Well, he sounds very attractive, based on what you just 
all those countries. He's done all the countries. Yeah, he's pretty great. But um, okay, yeah, getting him here has has been a journey for sure. I wish you well on that. Thanks. Um, so as a fashion stylist, what made you choose LA? London was first, so I moved there to study, and then you've obviously got your fashion capitals, and you've got your London and your Paris and New York mm-hmm. and Milan. Are you over it? I'm not over it, but I felt like, you know, I wanted to be closer. I don't know if to you've heard. Family. We have a lot of fake people here. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I love LA. I'm still not over it. It's the weather that I'm just really here for. <laughs> Let's be honest. For real? That's I mean, your I lived in reason? Vancouver. It's horrible. It's raining all the time, and then I moved to London. It, it's also raining all the time. From, uh, yeah, it's a giant soft. I mean, you wake up and it's like Disneyland every day. There's like birds flying around and it's sunny and oh, it's that's great. That's so funny. You chose here for the weather instead of the that and like I don't know the chill vibe. It was like I could go to New York. You think we're chill? I mean, <laughs> more chill than New York or London, I, I would say. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, depends what you compare it to. You know, after doing the London thing, I was like, I could do New York, but, you know, do I want to be in another city or am I like like on top of, you know? you need to make a million dollars a month just to live there, right? Yeah, and everyone's on top of each other. Like, I just went back to London for New Year's and I was like, I love it here, I do, but, you know, everyone's really on top of each other, you know, taking the tube all the time. Like, as a stylist, I really appreciate living here and having my car. You got your car, yeah. <laughs> it's a SUV? huge game changer. No, but I am purchasing an SUV this year. I'm actually hilariously driving a Fiat 500, which people Come think on. is just really comical. It's green. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That'll stick out. It's pretty funny because it's like a clown car. And obviously styling, I have, you know, tons of stuff to lug around at any given time. So uh, I was very curious, like, do stylists naturally transition to becoming their own fashion designer and start their brand or vice versa some people do i mean Uh that's like a common misconception i would say you know my grandparents will ask me when's your collection coming out every time i see them (laughs) and i have to explain that that's not necessarily (laughs) the goal produce anything (laughs) it's not the goal you know i think for some people it is you know ideal to you know start your own brand at some point and obviously there's a lot of could be or you know is for some people a lot of money in that and you know something kind of amazing to start your own your own collection or your own designs and things like that but it's not really been a goal of mine i did during covid you know start a sunglasses brand that i never actually launched but i have all the glasses and i have all the, oh. <laughs> i did all the work but, but then i never actually sold them so you're just you waiting know. for the right time i don't know it it's on the back burner you know i'm so busy oh, that cool. you know styling is the focus for sure uh-huh. and then cassetta is the name of sunglasses brand is kind of on the back burner of cassetta cassetta did you register that i didn't register it but i have the website and the instagram which is important <laughs> okay well by the time people hear this you should register that oh yeah probably yeah you're not wrong oh. <laughs> do you normally work alone i don't know i have i have a team of very lovely and helpful assistants that I could not do my job without. Um, oh, how many? Three or four Whoa. that are on pretty constant rotation. I usually have two on every job. Um, and then I have, you know, some people are shopping, some people are doing returns, some people are on set. You know, we're kind of all covering our bases. So depending on what I have going on, yeah, mm. it's pretty much. Now, before you created your own uh, army of artists, mm-hmm. your uh, army of assistants, sorry, what does it take? to be on your kind of roster yeah good question i mean we're all auditioning unknown (laughs) people right unknown talent yeah and i mean this is top of mind at the moment for me because you know coming into 2024 i was like you know what What? are some 
what are some goals? You know, what are what do I want to do this year? And I get a lot of emails from people wanting to assist, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, I can't take everybody on. And some of them probably just want to work for free, right? Just to like... Yeah, people want to learn, get, you know. It's a difficult in. industry to get into. So there's a lot of people wanting to... Um, okay. Wanting to break into that and wanting to, you know, just shadow even, you know. So I've yeah. had interns in the past and things like that. Just, But that kind of like giving back piece, I guess, is something that I'm trying to figure out how to do that effectively and it's one thing to do it with an assistant and you know to kind of grow with them and and you know almost kind of mentor I guess in a sense along the way um it's something that I'm really proud of and that I really love doing it's a really exciting process but yeah I mean in terms of what skills and stuff they have to have it's like time management (laughs) you know I don't really tolerate lateness (laughs) yeah at all especially here yeah it's a challenge yeah and it's just you know there's there's a lot to it. It's a difficult job. I mean, there's this whole set etiquette part that I think is really important. And mm. some people have it, some people don't have it. It's a learned skill, but also it's something that I think certain people just have. You know, we're on set with a lot of people, a lot of clients, a lot of, you know, and there's this sort of, you know, etiquette part of, you know, knowing. Yeah, let's get your, into that. Knowing your space in that, I guess. There's an unspoken rule that when the movie stars on set, like, don't approach them or talk to them mm. unless they talk to you first. Yeah. 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 So, because if you're working for like a pretty good company, they don't want to worry about you. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because if you hire a new face, let's say you're you're styling Phineas again, because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is your assistant to go up to them. Oh my God, I love your work. Can I get a picture <laughs> with you, please? Exactly. And then yeah. you're like, okay, you're gone. <laughs> you're like, calm down. <laughs> well, maybe not gone, but like you, you, you can't yeah. do that. No, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's exciting. It's a fun job. It's an exciting job. You know, we get to come across you know, really exciting people. Yeah. Um, it's easy to kind of fangirl out and, you know, get excited about a person you're working with or, mm-hmm. you know, a client or of any sort that you're working with. But, you know, there's there's just that, you know, piece of the puzzle where you got to, you know, keep it together, keep it professional. <laughs> Have you ever had to fire someone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 How do you or go about that? Phase them out, I guess. I mean, it's oh, kind of a thing. Oh, phase them out. <laughs> it's like a real friendship breakup. <laughs> My assistants are all independent contractors, so, you know, no one's really like employed employed by me at the moment. So, it's just kind of a matter of, you know, discontinuing working with someone if if something happens or something goes sideways but I've had some crazy things go down with assistants in the past you know people stealing like my work would be the biggest Whoa. that's happened multiple times putting my work on on their website on their webs- oh, uh-huh. um, I had a girl use it to get signed by an agency in England holy fuck <laughs> yeah using your portfolio my work yeah so I had to contact her and I was like well you need to take that down <laughs> did she she did, but she it took a couple tries, and I was like, "Well, listen, you know, either you can tell the agency that you use my What's work to name? get signed." I can't, I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> well, what if I connect with her? I don't want to work. Are you with what? Her. She lives in the UK now. I don't think she's a stylist anymore. But um, did she apologize? Not really. It was she kind of felt entitled to it, I guess, and that she had oh, that worked on me it crazy with me. And I'm like, "But this isn't your work." You know, there's this puzzle where it's like. It's important. I want assistants to feel connected to the work, obviously, you know, because we're doing it together. And I don't really like this like hierarchy thing. So I don't treat my assistants like, you know, I'm the boss and do what I say. It's much more of like a collaborative effort. I think you get the best work that way. And it's more fun. But the reality is that what's being produced, the work that's being produced, 
you know, wow. is, is my work, not theirs. So that's, she yeah. Sounds, she sounds lonely, <laughs> young. You know, it's just... Broken. I feel like it's definitely not happened in recent years. It's more when I was kind of starting out. So I feel like the way that I operate with assistants now, you know, I've probably learned how to mentor and be a better leader in a sense that that Cheers. doesn't happen anymore. But, um, you but your know. sixth sense has gotten better. Yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. Oh God, you you just made me re- remember. Um, I shot Megan the Stallion um, key art a couple years ago oh, cool. for Westbrook Media, and then early last year, some other photographer from like another state is like selling the rights to some of those key art images oh no way maybe this is a fake web page or something mm-hmm. but it's just some old dude like you know trying to sell sell the work per shot and did a little bit more investigating around that website oh yeah he's doing it to other things but i don't know if he's stealing or not but he's definitely i know these shots we shot these yeah he had no relation to like the photo shoot or westbrook or anybody that's bizarre and then yeah i wrote a brief email to the folks i said like Hey, do you guys know about this? This guy's like selling the rights to the images that I shot for you. Right. And then they're like, yeah, we're on it. Wow. You know, they're like, no, we did not know, but we're on it. This is, you know. Wow. And his webpage got taken down. Yeah. And I mean, as photographers, you guys have a little bit more protection or a lot more protection in that sense with, you know. I don't know anymore. It's hard, though. It's totally changing. And I mean, now you've got with AI. With like software got, I know, um, manipulation. Uh, I mean, copyrights can be like wiped out. Uh, it's like. Right. You cannot know for years until you coincidentally see it publicly somewhere. Right. Yeah. But I wonder, like, what drives people like that and the woman in the UK to Mm. steal, to glamorize themselves, to sell themselves, essentially. It's like, you mentioned entitlement. That's totally true. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like... What is the source behind that? I mean... You know, everybody wants to get ahead, I think. It's like everybody obviously, you know... It's it's good to be ambitious. Don't get me wrong. I'm a very ambitious person. But would um, you call that desperation? But it's it's just going about it in like the wrong way. You know, instead of doing the work to create work that she was proud of or that and they you know, know it's wrong. Yeah, it's like well, don't you want to have a website full of work that you've done and that you yeah. feel proud of and you know is is yours and you know you, you took the time to to make that. You know, isn't that yeah. isn't that what it's all about? So. I don't know. It seems bizarre in that sense, but you I know, can it's easily see them corners. defending themselves too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just hustling. I'm doing what it takes. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, bitch. This is, <laughs> this was my work. I mean, I hired you, and uh, you, you can't claim credit like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know, you can if you say like the lead stylist was, you know, Mrs. Wallace. Exactly. I've always said that to assistants. You know, you, you're welcome. I told that to her as well. I said, you're welcome to, you know, start up section of your website that says assisting and put that in there until you you know have your own portfolio up to a place where that takes over the majority of the website but you know and it makes the other crew look bad like the photographer can look bad yeah it affects you know everybody so when was your first big check (laughs) first big check of of a stylist gig I don't know exactly. I think right after I left Lululemon, honestly, I had... Oh, did you leave without a backup job? I did. Yeah, I left wow. with like with like no money in the bank account and like nothing. I love that. Yeah, I just went No money it. in the bank account? No. <laughs> Cart. Okay. Yeah, I left with nothing. Now, I, uh... now I'm going to like scold you. You need to go back. 
that's what I kind of knew at the time too. I was, Holy shit. I was 20, what was I, 26 or something when I went, you know, I was like, if I don't do this now, cause as you get older, you get yeah. more afraid of things, right? Like yeah. you're more cautious, especially financial things, you know, oh, yeah. it becomes much more apparent. So that's half my life. Right. So it kind of made sense. At that point, I was wow. like, listen, I'm 26, like 27. I think maybe I just turned 27 but or something. But no money, no job. You just left. I just left. Where'd you go? I had one gig lined up with a company called Shoes.com, which is no longer around. <laughs> Sounds very shady. Okay. <laughs> they sold shoes. And uh, I had a, a campaign shoot lined up with them. So I left to do that, which was going to be like week-long shoot or something. I think Whoa. they were going to pay me like a couple grand. <laughs> which That's is it? Crazy. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. For five, six, seven days? Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, all right, let's do it. You oh know, that was gosh. enough for me to quit my job. And I, then what happened? I did that job and I didn't get another one for a while and I had an existential crisis. But I just kind of told myself if I just keep shooting editorials. And I had a photographer that I was working with at Lululemon and I, I'm grateful to him for this because it, it was, he would say like, do one a month, which is now what I tell my assistants, do one editorial a month, keep doing editorials, keep doing creatives, oh you know, keep shooting, don't stop. Then what came your way to save you? There's a local agency in Vancouver called No Basura and they represent artists. So I, nice. I met up with, with them. Yeah. John Hennessy, he's a makeup artist um, and his wife, Anna, who own the agency and they, uh, and they signed me. Which is super exciting. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this sounds way too easy. <laughs> but it's Vancouver. Oh, it's so I met them city. and they signed me. <laughs> it's a small city. Yeah, so I met with them. But I mean, I had... So basically, I had a portfolio of work from London that I bas- I had to throw out the window because... No. You know, that wasn't really relevant anymore. By the time I left, I'd been in Lululemon for three years. By the time I left, none of that work was... It felt aged, dated. Did you have a website back then? I did. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, I've had a website good. forever. Young people still won't do that, but go on. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a website. It's very important. Yeah, so I... But I had been doing like while I was... And I was like planning my escape from Lululemon, let's be real. So the last year planning I was my there... Escape. <laughs> in the last year that I was there, I knew that you I, sure I wanted to leave. You sure this was not some prison that <laughs> I you... loved it there. Don't get me wrong. I loved it there. I loved the yeah. people. I had a great time. Yeah. But I was like, I, you know, after two years... And I'm really ambitious, like I said. So after two years, I was like, I want to go back to freelancing or go to freelancing, I guess, for the first real time ever. I guess and that's a good example how like repetition can kind of be suffocating. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was just a lot of the same and, and, and I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I was never very good at working for other people, I guess, in that sense. I just, oh, scary. I, I'm not capable of like going home and turning off, you know, doing a nine to five and then like going home and forgetting about work and you turning the TV on. I would just, yeah, my brain would always be thinking about, you know, how can we improve the studio and like, mm. you know, wh- like what else can we do? And like looking up, you know, makeup artists that we should be bringing in. And I was really, you know. I was overextending myself to take on more than my job required of me at Lululemon because that's just the type of person that I am. And then I was feeling like that's awesome. I wasn't. It wasn't appreciated. You know, that was kind of like. Is it hard for you to stay still? Definitely, I think. You don't like vacations. I like vacations. I do, but only for like two days. (laughs) (laughs) Lately, yeah, shorter, shorter vacations. I mean, I love to like go disappear for like a month somewhere like the last time my husband and I we we did that before COVID we went to Cambodia and uh, Thailand and stuff for like a month and a bit and I love doing that like turning off my phone entirely and going into that space but I feel like it's either or it's either like I do a week or I do like a month or two (laughs) I assume like stylists are subscribed to almost everything in the industry and 
constantly trying to catch up with the latest trends and articles. Mm-hmm. Are you doing that? It's funny you ask. So, I mean, yeah, obviously, that's something. If you love fashion and you love styling and you love this world, then you're always, you know, got your ear to the ground of of what's going on yeah. and what's coming up and what's so happening in the industry. You're always reading the latest uh, trades and like from Vogue and. I mean, it's Fashion Week, so you know you're kind of. T- I'm kind of. You know, you're tuned into that and and just seeing you know the collections that are coming out and what's what's cool and what's not cool. But I was thinking about this the other day as part of you know the 2024 resolution things. <laughs> is uh is that's a big a big thing that I feel like I've dropped off of, especially after leaving London and especially in the last few years. I think it's like you know we sort of turned to Instagram for inspiration, mm. which feels kind of all wrong. <laughs> And I feel how, like how I do wanna... you, where do you go to catch up on all that though? Like from all these magazines and uh, yeah, brands? magazines for sure, definitely. I mean, you've got like Vogue Runway and stuff for so you, you know, physically your get stuff. these magazines. I do. I still physically buy magazines. Okay. I'm one of these crazy people. Oh, your mailman must hate you. <laughs> I mean, I go to some of the magazine stands in town and pick up some of the favorites, but they're expensive, uh-huh. man. They're like they're like twenty dollars for some of them. Uh, yeah, I mean. Paper. I hope it doesn't die out. I, I mean, know well, it's there's been still something kind of changing. In, it's kind sure. of enjoyable to like physically flip through these I love pages, it. right? I, my house is full of them. My husband yeah. hates it. I've got art books everywhere. <laughs> it's easier on the I've eyes got, too. Yeah, stacks of magazines. I won't get rid of them. I brought them from London to Vancouver, and then Vancouver to LA. You know, they've cart- been carted around the world with me. All of my like dazed and confused, and my IDs, and my another magazines. You know, all my favorite culprits. A lot of British mags for sure. Yeah, some of your work got featured in Vogue. That's true. How did that happen? That was um, an amazing photographer that I work with, Sam Spence. Um, Sam Spence. She hit me up to do a Vogue shoot. Out of um, the blue? Really, sort of out of the blue, yeah. What did she say when you asked her, how did you find me? I think that she found me through a makeup artist, Elena Bachman, who's a amazing makeup artist with my agency wow. um, who she works with a lot and this is I pure a, bliss just I like... have a feeling that that's just kind of how it came together I need to ask her how it came together but we've done two and with the same crew same hair same makeup same photographer you know same same team that must have been exciting yeah so Vogue. Vogue Portugal yeah we've done two Vogue Portugals and then before that I did a Vogue Ukraine the different photographer I learned that the magazine brands themselves don't necessarily provide the budget of the photo shoot <laughs> this is true yeah so, okay this is good right because mm-hmm. this is a great misconception that people don't know about yeah who's funding these photo shoots me well photographer stylist usually yeah right and to be featured in the magazine it's basically like a trade for exposure right yeah definitely so uh-huh. i always i joke that i do you know the work that feeds my soul and the work that feeds my bank account <laughs> Oh. So obviously my like campaign advertising can you, work. Can you say how much you put into that Vogue shoot? The Vogue shoots. Um, I mean, the first one, the Vogue Portugal cover, both of them really, I probably put, you know, two, three grand at least. Uh, uh, yeah. Does that include assistance and like uh, driving time? That's and... probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's including, so I pay oh. assistance. Obviously you got to pay your assistance and then, how many you days? know, shipping and all this stuff. Quite a while. I mean, especially when I'm working with like the European magazines and stuff, I don't yeah. sleep probably for a week in advance because I'm... Impressive. Well, I'm trying to sleep, but I like wake up in the middle of the night to... You're sleep talking right now. Yeah, I'm sleep talking right now. (laughs) I'm very impressed. (laughs) I'm not working on that. That's why I have to be very, you know, 
particular about what editorials I do and I think it's tricky because you get people reaching out being like why not just do an editorial you know but like as the caliber and the quality goes up so does like the amount of money and time and effort that goes into them and I put more effort into editorials than anything else Um, was it a good shoot it was a great shoot it was Was it worth it it was totally worth it did you get more gigs after that definitely I feel like it definitely helps you know people see that they're like oh wow folks shoot you know but but you're right in the sense that no one really knows like what that means you know like yeah. they think i got paid by vogue that's not yeah. how that works yeah yeah what does a fashion editor-in-chief mostly do i mean an editor-in-chief is in charge of like the operation of the magazine like the entirety of it the the look and feel you know do they like have final say everything they have final, final say photo shoots yeah. and, and, yeah. the, and the fashion looks uh, yeah, I mean, the, it depends which magazine and how big they are and stuff, but usually they'll have a fashion director who's pretty much taking lead on that, and then you've got, you know, fashion editors underneath. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, the editor-in-chief obviously has final say on on anything that goes into the magazine, yeah. So every time you book a job, do you always have that team and or photographer, like, sign your contract, or are you usually signing their contracts? So I have an agency now, so I don't do anything about contracts. <laughs> Well, they do all the contracts. Well, I was going to get to that, but like before you got signed, before I got signed. Mrs. Wallace, like what? I don't want people to think like if I ever become a stylist, I'll just show up on set and I expect to get cash at the end of the day. It no. Doesn't, it doesn't work that way. No. A lot of free. There's like a system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people always say like, don't work for free. But I mean, I still work for free. Like I still do. You all do? The time. Well, not for free. I mean, I'm shelling out money in that sense. Like editorials are always going to be, always going to be Oh, I'd love free. to work with you at least just once. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, you're just being nice. <laughs> when the model or uh, the talent have to wear uh, just underwear or swim, how do you operate within that kind of photo shoot? If it's like swim or underwear? There's this whole other piece obviously to styling that's just like the practical aspect of it like how are you tying the ties on the swimsuit you know like just you know keeping things like clean and organized and making sure that you're shooting everything that needs to be shot and like you know there's this whole like organizational piece to it that's super important so I feel like those kinds of shoots it's really comes down to a lot more of that I just assume the model brings their own stuff because they're like wearing it on their oh you'd be surprised (laughs) oh they're like rentals or something yeah, well, I mean, a lot of models, I mean, good models, Are I you in say. charge of dry cleaning them <laughs> or something? It's the PSA to the world of models, you know, to come prepared with your things. But a lot of them don't. So, you know, I've got a whole huge kit of things for, wow. you know, said situations. But um, it depends. Like, if, if you're doing, if you're using samples from a brand and doing a shoot for a brand for swim or something like that, yeah, you know, obviously... I'll put like underwear is where I can underneath the swimsuits and things like that um, and make sure they're, you know, cleaned afterwards and all that. You yourself have to clean them? Mm, yeah. Or my sister. You can't just put it in a plastic bag and give it back to the, the brand? It depends. I mean, I, I, I probably, I like to go the extra mile, so I probably would just get a dry clean and give it back to them depending on, it depends what they, what they want really. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, where do you, where's your go-to place to pull looks from? Yeah. I mean... Or is, this, or is this like a secret competitive? It's a secret. I, I don't know. No, it doesn't have to be a secret. No. Like, I assume, like, stylists are competing with each other as well. Like, uh, us photographers are trying to get that job in there. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, everything's pretty Googleable. Okay, these well, where days. do you go? Uh, I mean, the Ruby is kind of like the, the go to in Los Angeles. The Rubies? The Ruby. The Ruby. Mm hmm. So, the Ruby is a fashion rental house, just if you're in 
pinch of time it's expensive to rent so you know it depends what it's for but if you're doing anything celebrity or anything you only need a few looks um it's always a good place to go they've just got like a massive warehouse full of incredible but you definitely need a budget right to pull looks you need a budget for sure for that but if you're in like tight time or something like that that's always like you know can anyone pull looks from there or only like legit stylists on paper i feel like you have to be a legit stylist on paper you set up an account with them and stuff like that like most places Um, is it free it's free yeah um you just pay for the rentals and you pay like based on how long you take the rentals for and then and you're also paying for insurance in case they get damaged no not particularly no what happens if they're damaged Mm, that's on you it's terrifying yeah I saw a fo- I saw a photo shoot where the model appeared to jump in the water. Uh huh. With a yeah. full look. Oh yeah. I've was that, that just an illusion, or did she actually jump in the water? Oh no, they jump in the water sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, t- yeah. tell us what goes through that and like what happens at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a creative process. Obviously, I don't ever want to be the person that's like, no, we can't do that. But in you know reality, sometimes there's you know clothes that can't get wet or clothes that can't get dirty and we do our best but also I, I mean, you want to get the a, shot you know oh you want to get the you want to make magic so as a photographer i would that's my number one fear if the clothes get damaged because <laughs> then it's like it's on my ass i mean knock on wood i've i've there's only no wood here. i've damaged one pair of this is oh, not wood. um one pair of shoes i guess Ooh, what the brand years. they were alexander mcqueen did you get in trouble yeah, I bought them. I own those shoes now still. Oh, and you can't repair them? <laughs> no. It was, it, we were in Vancouver. We were shooting for something silly, something that's oh, not on man. my website. Some like luxury magazine, something. And um, it was actually a paid editorial at least. But um, yeah, the model slipped and like sliced all the leather off the back of the heel of the shoe. Oh. And that was that. <laughs> okay. And you never worked with her again. Well, I mean, that's not her fault. And I mean, realistically, it's was she anytime high? you're using high, <laughs> was she high? She was not high. Um, but anytime you're using high end, you know, shoes is always a bit terrifying. I feel like I do rentals more so for shoes than anything else these days because, you know, uh. using like box fresh, you know, shoes. What was your worst photo shoot? Yeah, I have a photo shoot that I did. I can't really speak too much without giving things away of what it, what it was or who it was. But um, okay. with the was it the publicist? It was always the publicist. I mean, the publicists can be difficult for sure, but we need them. But no, it was actually the talent themselves were just really difficult and very problematic. And Do I know this person? Probably, and just difficult. You know, you deal with difficult personalities in this job for sure. So. I'm used to that, but this felt like a lot, you know, real extra level of, you know, fuckery, if you will. Just like why? Kind of going like out of their way to be nasty. Oh. Yeah, like, you know, saying, you know, saying things behind my back that my assistant overheard of just like, don't listen to the stylist. You know, she she doesn't know what she's talking about. We're going to do, this is our shoot and we're going to do whatever we want. You know, this real gross aspect of of celebrity culture where, Mm. you know, it, it was just, it was a bizarre one for sure. So How did that was it probably end? the worst. It ended all right. I just it was it was just a disappointing day because I feel like first of all I didn't get anything out of it that I really wanted to. Like the shoot itself, the product in the end wasn't really that great because you know the person wasn't letting me do what I you know needed to do to get to get the looks in and to get the shots and it's always difficult. I mean when you're dealing with you know a celebrity, they're in their own right, they're their own brand. So. Yeah. 
you're sort of catering to them. And then it's, if this is for a magazine, so you're also catering to the magazine. And so it's kind of this process where you're, you're trying to make everybody happy and, you know, create looks that work for the magazine, that work for talent. But then sometimes those don't match up. So you're, you know, you've got talent not wanting to wear something that the magazine wants them wearing. And, you know, you're you're sort of this middleman trying to piece it all together. And then you're like, well, where's my creativity and all this? Like, <laughs> you know, and that kind of goes out the window. And then you're just trying to get through the shoot and like execute something, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because it's, um, I mean, it is just a photo shoot for us. But the stress is real because you have lots of personalities on set. Mm-hmm. Everyone has opinions. Mm-hmm. Everyone's pulling out their smartphones, mm-hmm. and I'm like, guys, give me some space. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, as a photographer, the biggest pet peeve is, like, someone else directing the talent. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Does it ever take an emotional toll on you? Definitely. I mean, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into my work, so it's something that I think to do for a living, you have to really love it, but with that, obviously, brings, you know, I'm a, an emotional person as well, so it brings, you know, a level of... There's some cost to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, periodically. Um, Yeah. So, you know, and I'm really hard on myself more than Mm. more than I should be more than anyone else will ever be. That's the (laughs) that's the Irish side talking. Yeah. So if I do something wrong or if I, you know, think I've done something wrong or didn't do as well as I feel like I could have, then I'll beat myself up about it for days. When incidents like that happen, like, does it ever make you doubt your passion? Sometimes, I guess. I mean, I don't know. What keeps you going? Well, at this point, I'm not really qualified to do anything else. (laughs) Just kidding. You don't know how to build houses? (laughs) What? What am I going to do now? Um, Uber driver. Right. Nothing against Uber drivers. Right. No, at the end of the day. I love it. I do. I love it. I love it so much. And I I feel like you have to be a little crazy and I am a little crazy. And, and, you know, it takes takes its toll for sure. The ups and downs, you know, it's like a complicated relationship. I used to mock people like that, like um, being a little delusional or obsessive. But, you know, as time goes by, like, yeah, you do have to be a little delusional with your and a little obsessive because you care about your passion so much. Mm hmm. And everyone has their own definition of success. Yeah. I would just love to, like, go to bed every night and not worry about bills. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about fame and fortune. No. Maybe yeah. a little bit. But um, <laughs> as long as you're What's earning more than you're spending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's enough. That's, that's great. It, right. That's, I mean, my parents always be, said, you know, get a job good. that doesn't feel like you're working or whatever. You know, yeah, you have a job you love. You'll never work a day in your life. It doesn't feel like work. And yet I like to work. Yeah, I would love to shoot like five, six days a week on a big studio movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you said this earlier, and I'm glad you did. Like, whatever passion you choose, you have to be fully certain mm. this is what you want, because there's going to be some things that's going to like test it. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So if your passion overrules these negative experiences, you should be okay. I think so. And I mean, I feel like it always has for me, which is good. Like in pre-production, what do you like to go through with your photographer, the brand people? Yeah. I mean, organization. Tell me what these meetings are like. Organization is definitely key in my world. So it's like checklist. Oh, gosh. I mean. How many looks? Yeah. You want to have, obviously, you know, your shot list put together. I mean, the more organized you are, the better. So you want like, 
you know, yeah. shot list and your kit and like I'm obsessive with my kit. I'm always, you know, unpacking and repacking and organizing and yeah. making sure I have everything. And I don't then, want any surprises. No surprises. Yeah. You know, it just and it depends what you're doing, you know, um, whether it's editorial or, or advertising or so on and so forth. But, you know, I just like to be as prepared as possible and and when you're working with brands, you know, sometimes they have a ton of looks, you know, a ton of stock, a ton, <laughs> a ton of stuff to, to go through. And it really is your job to, you know, make sure that everything's, everything's in order, everything's getting shot, everything's getting done, you know, yeah. you know, you kind of assume sometimes that someone from the brand side is taking care of that or, or keeping track of that, but that's not always the case. So you really have to, you know, put your, in a sense, I, I say stylists are always, we're producers as well, you know, cause yeah. you really are, yeah, you're a director hyper, too. You're you're part of your you're a director of your own department. Definitely. Just like the lead makeup and second makeup and mm-hmm. photographer has his first and second assists. Definitely. Um, yeah. So which luxury brand are you dying to work with? I mean, I've always <laughs> people have always asked, you know, how will you know when you've made it or, you know, what Yeah, your, how will you know? <laughs> what's your <laughs> like what's when your you dream die? client? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Um, but because you, you work behind the scenes. You could do this for your whole life. Whole life, yeah. yeah. People always say, what's the goal? You know, what do you, yeah. what are you, what when are you doing styling? When you're 85, you're still styling. I know. People are like, what are you, you going to do after styling? What are you trying to get to? Because I art direct too. So people are like, well, is the goal like to become an art director? And I'm like, no. Sure. Like, I if guess. Pays, like, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm always going to be a stylist. Like, that's, that's, you know, it's like my identity. It's who I am. It's what I do. Like, it's, I'm so intertwined with it. Art directing is just a piece that's like come out of that over years because naturally styling you know and and now it's about like the overall not just the not just the clothes not just the look and I mean styling never really is just about the clothes anyways I think all stylists are art directors really but you know the overall image and the look and the feel and you know everything to do with it so it is mostly the clothes though (laughs) when we're dealing with fashion I mean it's like that's what you're selling that's what you're doing absolutely I think what you do I mean you're you're you may be the most underdog hero of a powerful image because mm-hmm. models they look amazing of course but they're mm-hmm. there to advertise mm-hmm. they're they're weapons of marketing like like we are yeah we all um, are. <laughs> I, just, I just have a nice camera and just put up like two lights and then but the clothes is what people are really looking at right like right. head to toe other younger not younger but i guess i guess new co- new faces of photography they still don't know the value of stylists so can you like tell us why your presence and job is so critical? I mean, I think being a stylist is a difficult one because a lot of people just don't know what that means. Um, yes, yes, tell us. And also, there's so many different facets of styling in so many different directions. So, you know, you've got your personal stylist, you've got your advertising stylist and commercial mm-hmm. stylist, you've got your editorial stylist, you've got your celeb, you know, red carpet stylist, you've, you know, you've got so many different things. So I'll have people still come up to me and say like, oh, can you can you, can you come to my house and, and look through my closet and tell me what I need to get rid of? And I'm like, well... <laughs> How much? What's your budget? No, like that's not really what I do. You know, there are people, there are stylists that do that though. So it's it's very confusing, I think, in that sense. I always ask for a number. <laughs> and then be like... Get the rate. Yeah, I'll go to your closet, sure. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, you know, doing the best they can with with the information that's out there but it's it's difficult because 
it's it's an incredibly important job. I mean, I mean, I like to say creating art, but we are. And I feel like there's something, you know, something to say with your work. I feel like that's important. Mm-hmm. It's like there should always be something you're trying to say, something you're trying to you're trying to do. We're out here creating beautiful images, but at the same time, you still want to be, you know, pushing it and saying something cool and 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 creating something different and new, not just recycling, you know, past yeah. work and other people's work. And I think that's that's hard to do these days with, you know, social media and everything. That's kind of why I was saying before, I want to go back to the drawing board, back to the magazines, back to the art books, you know, back to being a student, you know, of fashion and of art and culture and all these things. So that, you know, I feel like I've been slacking a bit in that regard why in order you, to create something, you know, new and exciting and and push the boundaries a little bit. Is that why you love it? That's why I love it. That's why I got into it after... Mm-hmm remind myself of that you know we gotta remind ourselves why we started oh uh which movie had the best fashion um i mean i love almost famous <laughs> oh it's one of my favorites love almost famous cameron crow yeah such a good film what are your thoughts on like instagram versus having a website a website i feel like it's it's super important i was saying earlier i, I need to redo mine it needs a needs an upkeep but um it looks great but i just feel like the process of reviewing your work and you know narrowing it down like making selections and the way that you're just displaying your work on a website is like an important piece of being an artist in a sense it's like our new aged version of having which i still have actually one of those like old school like leather portfolios with your with your work in it i still have it with my name embossed on the front of it (laughs) brown leather that's not cheap No, when I was at fashion school in London, we uh, we had to get those made so, <laughs> for our final portfolio. To and show you paid our final for portfolio. it? Yeah, it was like... Oh my God, it sounds like $500. It was like 500 pounds. So it was a lot. I mean, I was a starving student as well. Not starving, but you know, I was a student. So mm. <laughs> it was tough. You know, it was something that they felt you know, during this course and my fashion styling course, that it was an important thing to have, which is, yeah. is hilarious because, you know, it's it is totally, I mean, it's kind of, it's cool that I have one still, but it was like, we were sort of the last generation of stylists to, to do that. And I remember I brought it to portfolio review at Streeters, my like dream agency that like, you know, I mean, I love my agency, um, art department, don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is getting but, cut. Oh God. Delete scene. <laughs> but, um, you know, streeters, I, I went for a portfolio review there years ago in New York, and I brought him this leather portfolio, and he just sort of laughed at me and was like, never show this to anyone ever again. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, why not? And he's like, well, you know, it, it's just, it's irrelevant at this point. It's like oh. aging you. And I'm like, but I'm so young. Oh, But yeah, I sort of got like laughed out the door with that, you know, me thinking I was really cool. And I, you know, spent the time to go and like print my work and like, you know, organize it and the way that oh. made sense of like flow, Who you know, to talk guy? through. Um, he's lovely. He's, he's, uh, tough Dan- love. Yeah. He's a, he's a agent, uh, at Streeter still, but, um, <laughs> it was, it was good. It was like something I needed to hear. You know, he was, he was just really candid about it. <laughs> um, and then that was when it was like, okay, you know, have the website up and ready. And, and he's like, just bring an iPad next time. It's <laughs> like, okay. Uh, okay. He's adapted. <laughs> yeah. So that was the last time I, I dusted that thing off. But yeah, I feel like a website's important because it's that similar sort of, you know, digital version of that, of like organizing your work and narrowing it down and figuring out, you know, what's important and what needs to be seen and, you know, the yeah, editing you process can control, of it. You can control the viewer's eyes a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you know. Instagram is just kind of endless. 
you may curate it well, but yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a curation process involved in in Instagram. I want to talk to you about LA people, mm-hmm. or maybe people in general. Like, um, I keep noticing more and more people who never do what they say. Yeah, I'm introverted, but I love to ask like new faces and old friends. Like, what do you want to do? What's your passion? Everyone has an answer, mm-hmm. but they don't start. No. So you see this, right? Oh, a lot. Yeah. What's yeah. your theory on this? I think it's fear. I mean, fear drives a lot of people to not do things because it's or go all the way. It's terrifying to you know go out there and do to do the unknown. And I also think it comes from to talk too much about like privilege and stuff, but it does take a certain amount of privilege. I think if you've grown up in a certain background. Oh yeah. You know, if you're wealthy. That's a lot more accessible. Yeah, it's a lot easier to. Because you have this sort of safety net or you've grown up with this sort of safety net. And I think a lot of people who've grown up in, you know, different spaces where that's, it's just not even on your radar to like go after your dreams. It's about like pure survival, you know, if you've grown up in a less fortunate situation. So always taking that kind of into consideration. It's hard to just do what you love and make money doing it and, and, and fight like hell for it because it's. It's not easy. I mean, it's like, but then they're like it, it, it waiting, takes a long time. They're like waiting almost forever. Yeah. To be the rock in the river. But do you go after something and and try and fail? Yes. You know, or do you just talk about one day doing something but never actually do it and then you never have to fail? Yeah. Right? So And then time is so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're just kind of it's like people who say, like to save money instead of spending it on s- s- desires. Yeah. Healthy desires. Mm-hmm. Like that trip or those shoes. Right. Like if you want it, go get it. Yeah. Enjoy it. Saving money for what? Like what do you... you then know? you're like, yeah, you're saving forever. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saving for a rainy day. It's like... Yeah. You're fine, dude. I should... I see this as like, I should be more like that. I should be better at that. And then that, you realize like... <laughs> I'm not You realize that like quickly, like a year went by already. Yeah. You know, seven yeah. months went by. And then but you it's never like got to they never it. go on the holiday. They never buy the thing. They never do the thing. Yeah, you know, go buy that camera. Like, and it, I don't know if it. it's like if it's like their parents ingrained this into them. This like you know, save money, get a good job. You know, there's a lot of people I know who grew sure. up in that environment with parents that are like you know, you go to school, you go to college, you go to university, you get a good job, you stay in that job because that's mm. what they did. You know, and that's changed so much in you know since our parents were working. You know, it literally was like. The generation of like you get your job and you stay in your job and you get your pension, but that's not really a sure thing anymore. People lose. You get fired from. You get fired and then you don't get your pension and you've dedicated your life to this one company. You know that whole idea always scared the shit out of me. Which is yeah. So you might as well take the risk of just applying your passion. Yeah. Because any other uh, safe job, you you can get let go. You can get let go. Yeah. I know friends that are lawyers that have, you know, been let go from, you know, their jobs and they were yeah. expecting to stay in forever with their firms and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it, it can be, you don't want to get comfortable. Yeah. No. Which is sort of the opposite, I think, of what a lot of people were told to, you know, get a job and be comfortable and, and stay in your job and save money and have a family and buy a house and do the things. It's just upsetting. Like, it's just kind of... I don't know why I care so much. It's just kind of heartbreaking to see like friends just not making that decision to like start. Not making that decision for themselves. I know. Or even like these young models, they don't want to, they tell me different aspirations of like uh, science or or a stylist Mm -hmm. or or interior designer, but go do it. You have time. Yeah. Go do it for free, you know, learn something. Yeah. Talk to others, pick their brain. 
Totally. Like your brain. Um, <laughs> I think it feels impossible for some people. You know, even just, it's like that first step yeah, is like the hardest, impossible. you know? And then right. it's like once you get doing it, you realize like, oh, okay, this isn't that scary. It's not that hard. You know, I can keep going. I can mm-hmm. keep doing this. I hate Instagram. You hate Instagram? I do. Yeah. I think one day if it goes away, I think life will go a little bit better like the 90s where you have to like call each other right um but (laughs) i don't hate it in the aspect that you can send messages Mm. to people you admire you know pick their brain it connects yeah Yeah. i feel like that's still what i use it for people most of the time they've actually responded very politely but if you keep doing it maybe like 10 percent out of like 100 that's Mm. still something yeah and you can start a friendship there and keep learning definitely what i learned is from you know living on this damn planet is like um you know number one lesson is don't ask for a job right away no it has to be <laughs> it has to be like a real relationship first mm-hmm. it's, it's slow yeah that's why you, you got to start now yeah and while you're waiting for this person to blossom you talk to another new person in your timeline and you know you keep going totally yeah while yeah. you're waiting you're working and Stuff like that. Yeah. What do you do to relax? Yoga. <laughs> Yoga? Yeah. Oh, so you got signed by an agency. I did. Yeah. Art. Art department. department. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? Very funnily. Um, happened March 2020. That's I, when I got my new car, too. I was like... <laughs> and it sat in the garage for like three the months. The most exciting thing that's ever happened, um, followed then, by like the end of the you, world. <laughs> and then you killed the world. <laughs> So yeah, I sat down um, with my agent and we had coffee. And, Wait, you can know, you t- tell us how deal. that came about? I'd been meeting with agencies for a few years, both here in Los Angeles and in New York. Okay, great. And what what would you like present to them? My portfolio. Yeah. On the iPad. <laughs> After the streeters meeting, yes, yeah. on the iPad. <laughs> okay. Um, you would meet with agencies in person. I would meet with agencies in person. Yeah, I would set up like yeah. kind of portfolio reviews or like you know meetings. I would email them, and a lot of people would say it was this big hurdle actually because a lot of people would say, "Well, we can't sign you until you have your your visa." Oh, that's right. You know, so it was like I was like trying to get the agency before I had the visa in the hopes that maybe they could like help me or just Sponsor? to know that I had. Yeah, sponsor, but also just well, to know that, that I had like work. They don't. Um, oh. Most of them. I, okay, didn't, I okay. know this Good now. To know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think if you're like you know super amazing, then how do you probably prepare would, for a meeting like that? Because you kind of have to predict what they're going to ask you. I would put together. I would curate the work and put together on the iPad. You know, stuff that maybe they couldn't just see from the website. You know, other things and uh. you know stuff like that, and just sort of like talk about you know different clients that I have. They want to know, obviously, that you have, you know, connections in Los Angeles, that I have photographers I work with, that I have some clients. You know, it's kind of a two-way street. It's like, you know, I can't just expect them to give me everything. I have to bring something to the table as well. You, Yeah, you have contacts. So kind of, you know, and that was kind of the hurdle because they knew I was coming from Canada. So a lot of them were like, well, you know we give us give it a few years of being in LA and then and then we'll see kind of thing but I knew I wanted to be signed I really knew I loved art department so I'd started emailing them in like 2000 I don't know 17 oh, three-year journey <laughs> at least yeah 2016 17 Who did you email like the info at well it's a lot of like detective work so. 
You went on LinkedIn. Yeah, you and, go uh, LinkedIn for sure. And went, then as, you went down the tree. Yeah, you look at like different artists that you know are signed by that agency. Okay. And then you can kind of figure out like who the agent is and then like either guess the email or like they list the email sometimes on their um, their personal website. So when website. you pissed yourself through an email, how long did you wait for a response? Like I feel like two weeks is usually. Oh. I'd wait like two weeks and then I would be like good. just following up, you know, and follow up. But it was like, you know, sometimes you hear nothing back. You get like these kind of cold call situations. Um, is it one of those like no thank you but we'll keep you in mind yeah a lot of that a lot of like you know oh. we're not signing any new artists right now when like you're like uh-huh yeah which is true a lot of the time you know and and now being one of the artists that's represented that's like you know it, it's nice to know that they're they're being selective about it because it's like the more people they bring on the less time they maybe have for you I don't know but yeah I mean my agency's been absolutely amazing and like instrumental here for me okay that's that's i love talking about this mm -hmm. like what what are the pros and cons of yeah. being signed and unsigned you can go about it on your own forever you know and and manage your own clients and manage your own billing yeah. and you manage don't have to your give a commission to the agency conversations yeah that's sort of that's like i guess pro. that's a pro for sure what would the con be unsigned unsigned i guess you've got a direct line to your clients so it's like you don't have the, a waiting period of you know having to go through like you could just ask people things straight up mm -hmm. so it's like a little bit more of a seamless seamless kind of kind of chat um the con would be i guess you aren't getting the same kind of contacts or the same kind of like big clients coming at you um mm. on your own necessarily like you know you're having to really hustle for every client you get you're having to you know reach out to people and and have this constant sort of like networking process happening yeah. whereas when you're part of an agency i mean a lot of that's just happening behind the scenes like i'm not out there doing like linkedin detective work anymore really oh, as much that's nice. <laughs> or at all really you know um so and there's a lot of things that are coming through the agency you know for photographers and then you get kind of like attached yeah. onto it or you know makeup artists and we're kind of like a family you know we work together a lot so i work How with a lot of the managers are working for you um i have one like main agent and then i have another agent who who books me on some stuff as well wow. um but so one, they're help, one they're constantly advertising your skills to land you gigs yeah, yeah. i mean yeah they're, they're and they handle all the financial they handle all the um you know contracts all the finances all the invoicing and billing and everything and i just get like so they've become your human linkedin yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely i mean i think it opens you up to a lot more possibility i, mean, I don't see any really cons being signed other than like you know giving your 10 percent um yeah 10%. but the reality was that it was like i was working i got to a point where i was like working so much that i wasn't having time to like do my own billing and stuff so then i like wasn't invoicing people on time you know or like you know you're potentially making mistakes because it's like you're already working on the next job and you're trying to like wrap uh, out the last job and do invoicing things and, can get blurred you yeah. know and it was like it, it would just it became a necessity really at that point when you kind of get busy it when you get signed, like what? What's the number? Uh, how many years is the contract? It's like a what? Like a one-year contract usually. One. Yeah, like we're so close. Like we talk every day. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, like you know, it, it's like. A well, partnership. this is good for like models too. You don't. They don't know what their age is going to be like until after you get signed. Yeah. And you kind of feel the ebbs and flows of it. So how do you know who to sign with? I think it's a gut feeling, really. Like. Yeah like a very important relationship in your life so it's one to choose wisely because you think need to audition them too in a sense yeah yeah for sure and um and you also want people the higher-ups to want you more than you want them 
it's yeah you don't want to come off as like desperate in the meeting being like you know yeah please sign me. me you know which i want to be famous yeah which i feel like okay, maybe i was guilty of back in 2016 yeah for. please sign me so you know it's this that's the piece i guess that i said before of like you have to bring something to the table they to them as well you know it's a partnership it's mm. like you know it's not like you work for me or i work for you it's like we work together to to do this thing but it's you know it's a little bit of a scary prospect because this is my career. It's, you know, I've worked so hard to get where I am. And, you know, it's, it's so okay. it's more important to you than it is to them, obviously your own yeah. career, but, and it's like really trusting someone to like take hold of that and, and manage your conversations with clients and things. So you've seen my work. I have. What's your take? I mean, I think it's great. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm on the spot. I have no thin skin. Just, I want your, I want a real professional's honest criticism. Like, what can I improve? Mm. What should I stop? I've seen some of your editorial work, but I think, you know, branching out and doing like more like conceptual editorials would be cool. But it's really oh. what you're into. You know, it's really about like your personal, okay, your personal vibe. Cause it's like. Several people told me models and stylists said, I don't really have a style. That's hard. I feel like that. And they're right because thankfully I realized that too mm. before they even spoke up. Yeah, I don't really have a style. I just try to take good shots. Trying to take good photos. I mean, I feel like that's just what it is at, yeah. until there is a style. Like, I feel like I don't really know what my style to... is. Like, in turn, you know, does every, like, could you see a photo style by me and be is. like, it's style by Carly? <laughs> I mean, your work is pretty dreamy. Yeah, yeah, there's I guess a there's like to it. a vibe of that always. And there's but vibrant, uh, vibrant color feels. for sure. Color's um, been a thing. Yeah, but yeah. It, this is something I've been like wrestling with for, for the past couple of years, and and I don't want to like go out of my way to like create a style if it's not no. genuinely me. I think it just happens naturally. Yeah, you know, I think you can tell when someone try to <sighs> like tries to force a yeah, style. Yeah, you don't want to force it. You know, it's yeah, like but, I'm only doing you know photos with this type of lighting, and it's like well. I don't know. It's, yeah, you don't I, want to limit yourself that much, you know. You want to yeah. still be. It's a. It's like a balance of being flexible and able to, you know, mm -hmm. get work from different types of clients. As I, I as come well from movies, a, making movies. I wanted to be a director first, right? When I was, ever since I was sixteen. Whenever I look on Instagram for a mood board, it's usually the narrative uh, campaign shots mm -hmm. that I'm really drawn to, and um, and I'm glad what you said. You said conceptual editorials. Mm -hmm. And I just saw something from Pro Photo recently that kind of nailed it, um, like a very in the mood for love kind of, uh, almost like storyboards. Right. Yeah, that's my jam. But why haven't I done that yet? Right. Tied Maybe the two I was together. Just, I was like intimidated because you need a crew. I don't have a crew that's going to work for free. But you know what? I'm going to just shoot what I've always wanted to do, but I was, but I never really pulled the trigger. I mean, I shot like narrative campaigns here and there. Yeah. Like test shoots. Yeah. Um, but, but I didn't like have enough resources or props to like really go yeah. 100%. Right? I feel like that's the plan. Otherwise, it's like, what are we trying to do here? Like, what are we trying to create? What is it? What's the goal? You know? Yeah. And I feel like that's, to me, feels a little bit like what your lighting is like and you know in a lot of things and and i can see it kind of going that direction probably because of your background yeah, like peter Lindbergh. He's, yeah exactly he's good at that. your background I mean, doing like away, a lot of the greats did <laughs> and yet here's a crazy twist recently mark seliger did a keynote uh where he was kind of going back uh sharing his work over the years uh at the top of his keynote he said he doesn't have a style hmm 
and he was very self-deprecating like, yeah he's a humble guy we all are self-deprecating and he was like <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he repeated it a couple times huh. and I, thought, oh, I don't have style yeah. wow one of my heroes is like acknowledging that and sharing that news. yeah i think there's like a real because if you look people at people put a real importance on that on having a specific style of work but i, I don't know he like takes if you don't you don't images. yeah there is some narrative uh goofiness to it mm-hmm. um like Will Ferrell giving birth to a monkey. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I don't know that one I've seen that one, famous, but I feel like I could Google it when I got it. It was one of those famous uh, shots that uh, Mark Seliger did. Right. But, um, but he conceptualizes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the art director, stylist version of me that loves a mood board. You know, love love a concept deck. So yeah. I love to like, and I get inspired by a lot of film. Like that's, you know, yeah, I've yeah, got a... Yeah. I have to make a confession. Mm-hmm. Um so this whole like wishful thinking of like narrative storyboarding style mm-hmm. that I've is in my blood. But when I go on a test shoot, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do what I want to do. But and then you get to the location with the model and uh, makeup and stuff, and then I just automatically go back to the usual like yeah, you know like uh, c- commercial uh, symmetric uh, shots and uh, yeah all that stuff and all my all my wishful uh, uh, the mood board goes out mood the window board goes out the window. <laughs> It's happened and that happens repeatedly. That happens sometimes. And I drive home like you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything I wanted to do. What the fuck did I do? I just shot another uh, shopping mall ad again. Uh, look right I at the know. camera. Keep them centered. I'm like it's tough. Oh. It's tough too because I feel like I mean it to do something like that really relies you know your team has to have the similar vibe or like you know be on board with what's going on. Your model has to have that like yeah. you know personality it's to do something like that. It's in the mood board like too. When I showed it, showed it to the agency and the model, and they're like, "Yep, yep, this is what I'm going to do." And I just don't do it. <laughs> it's all face to camera. Yeah, very very clean and symmetric shots. Don't put anything in the foreground. Don't uh, don't shoot through a glass. Don't. Yeah, it's all it's, it's all shopping mall. All right. Well, you gotta next time my friend and i recently spontaneously decided to help another friend like be a better dresser okay because he wants a girlfriend mm-hmm. so it's pretty much like crazy stupid love mm-hmm. do you ever do that like like you know just regular people coming up to you be like hey can you like be a consultant for me or something lots like, of people ask yeah, yeah can definitely. you give me some free advice like how to dress better lots of people ask i mean the funny part is, but I then feel you're like, like, how much? I mean, I feel like I, I don't know. The work that I do is so like different to that that people expect me to be able to like dress like your average Joe in a better way. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I have ideas, but it's not really what I do. I mean, there are like stylists who are experts at at that type of work and that like personal styling aspect. It's really, I would say, not my strong suit. Okay. Is there there a difference between uh, styling men and women? Or is it just just work? I mean, I don't see really a difference. I love styling both. But some people, like, you know, only want to style women. Some people only want to style men. Can men style women successfully? Of course. They can. I had a a teacher in fashion school who argued that he thought that women styled men better and men styled women better. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not trying to be controversial, but no. I mean, the gender really doesn't matter. Right? I don't think it, I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. at all. Same with photographers. It doesn't really matter. No. You and just I have mean, to have a good eye. I feel like I dress, you know, in men's clothes. I dress women in men's clothes, men in women's clothes. You know, it's yeah. like, it's all become more fluid anyways. But, okay. you know, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't really see the difference. Well, Carla, this has been really fun and just 
meeting you, getting to know you. It has been fun. I didn't realize you were seven feet tall. And, <laughs> um, and uh, just to really learn um, what you go through, how you yeah. operate, uh, the qualities you demand from uh, your collaborators. Yeah. Um, my base, my only, my only desirable uh, request is like I don't want anyone crazy on set. Yeah, you know, it's a good request. That's the least I can ask for. Yeah, I bet you know. Calm energies, calm energies. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to talk spiritually. You don't have to dance in between takes. You no. don't have to play strange music. There's a showmanship to people um, in LA. I think. Yeah, I'm not really into eccentricity. I mean, no. I'm into it, but it only if it's authentic. <laughs> No, I'm not into it at all. Not into it. No. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. I promise this is the last question. L- okay. What's your What's your biggest goal this year? My biggest goal this year, learning to say no to mm. things. Oh, that's when you know you've made it. Is it hard to say no? I yeah, I'm a people pleaser, so oh. I say yes to everything, and then I get burnt out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you gotta say no. Learning to say no, I think, is like a a goal. I know it's kind of a silly goal, but um, no, important. It's more common than you think. Yeah. 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 You know, just bringing on some new fun clients and working with some new fun people and doing the usual, the usual stuff. Yeah, you're gonna style Margot Robbie, or uh, I mean, I would love to. I mean, the Oscars are coming up. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, you'll book it somehow. Maybe your chances are pretty good. <laughs> There's like 50 nominees or something. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. Thanks. And yeah, hopefully, I'll see you next time. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much. Bye.